0: what's up everybody and welcome to crossfire podcast this is the podcast for crossfire faith and gaming i'm one of your hosts russell dornish alongside my co-host the reverend david petty
1: hey everybody how's it going uh and with us we've got a special guest today uh, jeff champ Corell. Uh, who is married to Shay Champ Carell, who visited us uh, with another podcast, talked to us a little bit about her experience as the parent of a gaming kid. And Jeff's gonna talk to us as a gamer himself, and uh, we're gonna have some good conversations. But first, let's get into the news. So news for this week, Russ, bring it at
0: us. Yeah, so uh, what do we got this week? We got got several good things, but let's start off with the big one, the big hitter. Everybody's talking about it in the gaming space. David is salivating over here because he just built a gaming PC and now it's ruined and it means nothing and he's lost all value. But (laughs) NVIDIA finally announced the 3000 series GPUs. Um, And for those of you at home that may not know that much about building gaming PCs and what that means, um, first off, a graphics card is what is used to be able to play games. It's one of the most important aspects of it. It is its own separate unit that is able to render graphics on your screen so that you can play your fantastic, wonderful games. And right now, uh, NVIDIA is coming out with a brand new series, which is two things, extremely powerful, And a lot of bang for your buck. Um, So, David, what are your thoughts? And then let's also go through. I have a chart here that actually talks about what each uh, graphics card brings to the table and its cost. But you, as someone who just built their PC, how are you feeling? What are your thoughts on uh, what you saw with the new uh, graphics cards?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some buyer's remorse, I think, like always. You know, there's that, you know, oh, gosh, what if I just would have waited a little bit longer um, you know, I'm still happy with what I got. I'm still happy with the bang for the buck. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, if you look at what you can get now for how much I paid then, uh, there are a lot of people that are frustrated about it, especially people that put 2080 TIs, which were kind of the flagship of the last generation. Um, they dropped twelve, thirteen hundred dollars 1300 on those graphics cards. And now they're looking at graphics cards that will sell for 499 that may or may not beat their twelve. graphics card. So I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse. I do think that part of what Nvidia has done here uh, Some of it. They're probably just they front-loaded their R&D. You know, they they put a lot of uh, Money on last generations graphics cards that they then took that money and used it to develop this generation's graphics cards Uh, Also last generation was really the first generation of graphics cards that could do ray tracing So it's not surprising to see that they've kind of expanded and built on that Uh, Made a whole lot of leaps and bounds and improvements Uh, And then I think the other thing is You know that they've what they did is they took and they anchored the price, you know So last time they came out with these graphics cards that they said um, You know we're leaps and bounds and by anchoring I mean, you know If you walk into a house and I say I've got a a painting for sale over here It's forty thousand dollars and then I walk over and I say but this painting is only a thousand dollars Well compared to the first thing I said you know that's the anchor that sets the the bottom. You know you say, well, gosh, you know the the forty thousand is way too expensive, but a thousand that sounds like a good deal. You weren't going to spend a thousand dollars on a painting, but now it sounds like a good deal. Same thing with phones. You know we see now it's like, oh gosh, this phone's only five ninety nine. Well, three generations ago we were looking at four ninety nine for the best phones, um, but we've come to expect that phones are going to cost more. I think the same thing is happening in the graphics card space where. People who spent $1,200 on a graphics card are now glad they only have to spend $699. That's still $700. bucks. you are still talking about probably more than the PlayStation 5, uh, and maybe I'll eat my words for that later, but probably more than the, the PlayStation 5 <laughs> for the cost of this new 3080 graphics card. That being said, it uh. looks like it is a generational leap uh, that is at least twice, if not two and a half times better than the last generation. Russ, what are your thoughts? Jeff, what do you think?
0: Go ahead, Russ. Uh, Well, I I would just break down. I'm going to break down real quick, just kind of the stats from them real quick. Um, So the 3070, the rumor is that one is actually going to be on par with the 2080. Um, The 3070 brings eight gigabytes of GDDR6 memory VRAM, and it is going to come in at $500, um, which is huge because that is on par with the um radeon amd rx 5700 or 5800 xt which is like the budget card right now um the 3080 that david just mentioned is 10 gigabytes of gddr 6x vram and it is going for 700 and then the mac daddy which by the way this is not for gaming people keep reminding people this is not a gaming card This is on par with the Titan RX series that NVIDIA had, which is more for like um, computer developers, game developers that need that extra oomph. But it is 24 gigabytes of GDDR6 VRAM, and it is going to start at the luscious price of $1,500 for the 3090. Um, so that is more of a uh, a profile, a systems profile card. It's not it's not going to be your gaming card. Um, I do want to comment, Dave. Your comment that you said about the games and the consoles coming out soon. Um, a lot of people are bringing that up. Well, we just blew Xbox and PlayStation out of the water yes and no the problem is price and for one component of the computer i'm going to get the same price of an entire console so while yes the power is insane and what it's going to be able to do is way more than what the playstation or xbox are going to be able to do the cost is still there so i'm not saying this is a one for one uh jeff what about you are you at all into pc gaming what are your thoughts as a console gamer and uh hearing some of these stats and stuff like that
2: well i'd I'm just kind of an all-around gamer. I've built a couple of PCs on my own. Um, I'm using my gaming laptop that I bought for, I believe, about 1,300 several years ago. And it has an NVIDIA 1070 in it. So um, yeah, the the reason I've been a, a, a console gamer for most of my life was definitely the whole, oh, I can spend Two, three, four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, whatever it is, and just have the system, have the controller, hook it up to the TV I already have, and be able to play games. Now, obviously, I, there's all sorts of games on PC that you can't play, but there's so much crossover nowadays um, that, yeah, the value proposition there is if you're building even just a budget PC it would almost be tempting to go back to the you know the the 2000 series on the, on the nvidias to get something that might not be quite as future proof but still be able to run current stuff and stuff for the like the next two maybe 3 years at pretty good settings
1: yeah, yeah i think a lot uh, of people... i think that's a i was going to say i've seen a lot of people dumping go their ahead. their old 2000 cards uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if you're able to get you know like a 2070 s or a 2080 for like 300 bucks because those people are going well yeah I, I want to go out and I want to buy this $500 card but there's gonna be people who are not gonna buy my 2080 because they would rather just spend the $500 on a brand new card instead of a used card. So uh, I would guess that you're gonna be able to find a lot of 2000 series cards used that people are just going to be dumping them like crazy. Um, I do want to say, you know, Jeff, you mentioned all the crossover. Absolutely. It seems like everything that we see is coming out for, for PS4 and PC and coming out for Xbox and PC. So, you know, if you're a PC gamer, lots of games out there for you. Uh, Probably the only exception is some of the PS exclusive games. Um, But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of crossover there. Uh, Last thing I just want to say is, you know, Russ and I have been major PlayStation fans for a long time And there's been a lot of talk that people are saying, well, with the new NVIDIA cards coming out, uh, there's just no reason to get a PlayStation because these NVIDIA cards are going to be so much better, so much faster. And what I keep reminding people is like the analogy of a race car. You know, and you look at something like a Lamborghini Aventador, right? Half million dollar car. Just absolutely bananas how much power is in this car, how fast it can go. And yet a Suzuki RX 1000 S, right? A motorcycle Is faster in the zero to 60 and it's faster in the quarter mile. And it costs a fraction of what that Lamborghini costs, but it's built to do a specific thing to do it well and to do it on a very lightweight footprint. And I think that's where the PlayStation is going to come in. And because of the software optimization, I'm guessing that people are going to get very, very good results out of their PlayStation. And they're going to be frustrated that even with the behemoth of a power that the 3000 card is that it's not actually going to be as outperforming as they think compared to the PlayStation with its optimizations. So, uh, and you know, unless you've got a really optimized SSD, the PlayStation is going to load stuff faster. Um, just the way they write the software. So anyway, we should probably get on to the next stuff or else we're going to be here all day. Uh, so what's next in our news, Russ?
0: So I have got, and this kind of works into it. It's just a real quick note because what you just said kind of, brought this to mind i remember reading this um it is uh going around the internet right now that sony's interactive entertainment boss sean Layden uh has alluded to the possibility that more first party games may come to pc um so horizon just came to pc it's doing very well on pc Sony's getting extra money for it, and honestly, I think this is a win because being able to release a game three, four, five years after it releases on console, um, you know, everybody who owns a console has already played this game. They have, and or they've gotten a console if they really want the game, um, but there are always going to be these holdouts that are going to be PC only, and so to be able to get that market share, I think, is a smart business move. Um, for sony because they have great first party games if you can get just a little bit more money out of those games um, to help you fund more things in the future i think it would be smart to do it so it looks like they are going to eventually do it so my question is for both of you if you have experience jeff i don't know um your background with playstation but uh, david you being a playstation gamer as well what are some first party games you could see going to pc what would probably be the next one and do you think this is a good move by sony
1: uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, keep my answer fairly short, um, but I think for sure I would see Horizon uh, Forbidden West being a first-party game that could come to PC. Uh, you know, in the next generation of games, uh, I would love to see Spider-Man come to PC. I don't know if it's gonna, but uh, you know, at this point, uh, that would be an amazing PC game. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's so many so many others out there. I, I would love to see last of us come to PC um, because I think there's uh, it's probably the best game of all time. And I think everybody should play it. So uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts?
2: I think it's a great strategy for them. Um, I've been a PlayStation gamer. I've had, I had the PlayStation two and the PlayStation three, and that's kind of where it dropped off um, on PlayStation, but I have missed, you know, the newest God of war is supposed to be re- ridiculously good horizon zero dawn um what's the other one uh they did uh, death stranding that just came out like a month or two ago on pc and, you, and the way they're releasing them where they're not releasing them day and date on pc versus you know the playstation where it's a year two three years later yet they've gotten all the sales they've sold systems because of those games and then getting the royalties because they've they're continuing to sell games on the system, but those games have extra life to a different market. Um, you know, somebody that maybe might have bought a laptop, you know, three, four years ago, can't play the newest games, but you know, the specs for the PlayStation four games are right in line. And somebody would have be able to have a a really good time and, you know, really misses the Spider-Man games. That one would be like up there. Um, I'd like to see the uncharted games as well. There's just so many so many good first or second party games from Sony, you know, the Ratchet and Clank games. You know, seeing some of those come back would be awesome. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting you say Ratchet & Clank, that's actually one of our stories, so I might as well just move right into that, because we did get to see, and this is since our last podcast, and again, we had to, just so you guys know, we had to record re-record our news for this podcast, because of some audio difficulties, which every podcast has had, at some point or another, we've lost it, it's gone, goodbye episode, but we did discuss um, the Ratchet & Clank demo, which was released for uh, Gamescom, and... Oh boy, does that game look good. I am like so excited. I played through um, the PS4 Ratchet and Clank that came out. It was an amazing experience, so much fun. Um, I got the Platinum Trophy in it, spent all my time 100%ing that game. Um, So that one is a big one. Uh, But the new game, the use of the teleportation from level to level and using the PS5's SSD is just insane. And that is a great use and a great show of what the PS5 can do and what that SSD means. Uh, David, I know you're super hyped and psyched for it. Um, what were your thoughts on the demo that you saw of Ratchet and Clank?
1: Yeah, when I saw it, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our in our podcast that we did the live stream of the PlayStation 5 reveal event. Uh, when I saw it, I thought to myself, they made this game just to show off what the PS5 can do. Because um, we had watched the tech demo where they talked about how essentially you know a normal console uh, or a pc loads an entire world and renders the entire world and then just shows you the pieces that you're looking at and they were saying the ps5 is so fast that it can load in just the small frame that you're looking at and when you decide to turn it instant loads the rest of the stuff around you. So, you know, instead of loading and rendering everything behind you, it's actually loading and rendering only your field of view. So once again, that, you know, well, maybe it doesn't have quite the flops that the new NVIDIA card does, but it doesn't need them because it's not rendering all that stuff. And, you know, people compare it to the Xbox series X and oh, it's got less teraflops and Sony's saying it's still better. And the games that we've seen that are, Uh, coming to both systems, you know, for instance, um, oh gosh, far cry six, we saw some of that, that stuff. And I'm pretty sure that was rendered on a PS five. And there were some other games that came out that were rendered on a PS five. And we've seen more stuff rendered on a PS five that are both console games. than I think we've seen that's been rendered on an Xbox series X. Um, so. To me, Ratchet and Clank, I said, holy cow, this teleportation stuff is just a way of showing how in the click of a button, you can instantly load a whole new world, load a whole new uh, levels, bosses, foes, all of that stuff uh, in a fraction of a second. So, Jeff, did you get a chance to check it out?
2: I, I haven't, but it just reminds me of two games. Portal, of course, you know, <laughs> the way that would do stuff. And kind of digging deep for this one, the promise of the game Prey for the original, uh, I think it was like a launch game for 360, the Xbox 360. And that was like their big tech that these portals you could go in and out of and just it'd be seamless. And I think this is just kind of, it's an idea that's been around for a little while, not heavily used, but um, what I saw, I didn't see the Gamescom demo, but the the announcement of it and it just looked just beautiful
1: yeah we've been looking yeah, for it, a zero uh, it load didn't... times for a long time uh also just apologies to mm-hmm. everybody listening uh russ and i are going to talk over each other a little bit because there's like a two second delay between our voices uh, so sorry for that Uh, But I was just going to say that uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time, you know, and and the idea of not having to load between worlds. I mean, I remember Half-Life and going between levels where you're in an elevator or how many other games where, you know, you click someplace and you load. Gosh, Fallout 4 every single time I die. Mass Effect. Load screen just, oh, gosh. So I think cutting down on load uh... times is a phenomenal thing that they're
2: doing. I was remembering one of the, I think it was like Tony Hawk uh, Underground or something where it was supposed to be an open world, but you had these large maps. And then to get to the next one, you had to go through like the Lincoln Tunnel or something. And it was like a couple of minutes to skate through the tunnel and then you'd pop out. And so, of course, it was loading the entire map as you're going through the tunnel. right? But now it's just there
0: yeah. interesting that jeff should say that uh saying tony hawk because again you're just you're good at this jeff you're really good at this you're good at you're good at transitioning um, because again of course yesterday was tony hawk day we got the release of tony hawk's pro skater one and two remake and all three of us are playing that game to our heart's desires it is perfect in every way that we want a remake of the original series it feels like tony hawk and it looks a heck of a lot better than tony hawk did so that's all it needed to be it just needed to be a much better looking version of that original that we love the soundtrack is there with all our favorite songs plus some new ones that i love um i'm loving it uh david what is your what are your thoughts on the tony hawk game so far on them jeff will get your thoughts
1: it was exactly what i wanted uh When we saw it come out, I said, oh, my gosh, that looks like the original game. Um, I kind of fell off around Tony Hawk three or four. Uh, The mechanics just felt weird to me. Uh, It just didn't feel like the Tony Hawk that I came to know and love. Uh, And in some ways, I think they went a little bit too far. And Russ, you and I talked about this uh, earlier with Skate XL, Um, you know, trying to make a skating simulator. I don't want to know what it's like to skate and fall down 15 times on my face. If I wanted to do that, I'd go out back with a skateboard. Um, I want to know what it feels like to be Tony Hawk. And so, you know, granted, there's a lot of video of him falling down on his face, but we we don't want to talk about that part. Um, We want to just feel like a Superman. Right. And that's. You know, the the Goldfinger, Superman, uh, you know, the soundtrack coming back. Oh, my gosh. It was the nostalgia trip that I really wanted. Uh, trip down memory lane and to then get to introduce my kid to that and say, you know, hey, son, this is what life was like when I was your age. Uh, and now, you know, he's talking about wanting to go to the park with his friends and learn how to skateboard. And so I thought here we've got a whole new generation of kids who are going to want to skateboard because of Tony Hawk, which is the reason I wanted to skateboard when I was his age. Um, So how cool, you know, a neat, fun thing, a fun thing for parents to get involved with their kids. We'll talk more about uh, parenting and gaming later. Um, But then the other thing, you know, I was like, hey, son, this is ska music. Let's talk about what that is and why trumpets are important. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, (laughs) Jeff, what were your thoughts?
2: Uh, It's I haven't gotten to play as nearly as much of it as I'd wanted to Uh, three hours or so, but. Yeah, I think it's exactly what I was wanting. Like The controls are perfect. I've read some interviews where they basically just kind of took the code base from the original couple of games and put new graphics on it, which is pretty much what all the Tony Hawk fans were were wanting. Um, They did a great job of including... I think they got all the songs. I know there was some... Uh, concern when they first announced it that they might not get all the songs from the first two games but I think they ended up securing all the licenses because you know music licensing for for games now is is ridiculously hard especially when they're thinking about doing remakes and stuff because they have to relicense those and pay more money again for the use of those but yeah it's beautiful it plays amazing the new tutorial like i It's been a long time and I could have blazed through it, but it was really fun to hear Tony Hawk going through stuff. And I think I could hear the excitement in his voice because he's excited about this coming back out. You know, he, there were some, some of the later Tony Hawk games that weren't so great, you know, ride the ones that did like the motion control skateboard and stuff. Um, And when I heard that they, you know, they were coming out with this kind of remake you know, one of the things that I saw was an interview with Tony Hawk and how, how excited he was about it, which just made me even more excited to play this.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I really think that this, this definitely hits the spot. It's great. I have a feeling it's going to do, you know, gangbusters with sales, especially because it's a $40 game for two, you know, Tony Hawk one and two. And there's tons of content in here. This is a $40 game done well. Um, because of all the content, the multiplayer in here—I have even got to—I've um, messed around with the create a park, uh, you know, aspect of it. It's a great, great title. So everybody out there, it's Crossfire's pick of the week. We highly recommend you go and pick up Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two remake. Um, and uh, you know, coming from David and Jeff, I'm assuming you guys are very comfortable with your kids playing this game because uh, you know, for me, it seems like there's not really any bad content that may you know um turn turn kids away from being able to play this yeah i think i don't from, think so
1: from a parenting standpoint i think the only thing is you know just uh some of the lyrics to some of the games might be kind of on the edge of being questionable uh you know and that's the place where i have to look at it and say okay you know is it is it the words uh, you know the actual language being used uh you know at which point you know some of these kids are hearing worse things at school and so you know then it's more of a conversation for me about, okay, well, what is it that they're actually talking about? Uh, you know, is it talking about getting your stuff together or is it talking about, you know, doing terrible things to people? Um, so for me, I think it's, it's one of those very similar to, um, some of the racing games that uh, are out there, you know, need for speed where it's like, yeah, some of the songs are not exactly, uh, ideal, but they're also not terrible. So, um, I think, I haven't gone through all the lyrics word by word, um, but I, there were a couple that I was like, hmm, did they just say what I thought they said? So,
2: Well, and the cool thing with that is the soundtrack list in the game. You can turn specific songs just completely off so right. that you don't hear them in rotation at all. Which so you're is, telling me that you know, I can
1: turn off every song except for Goldfinger Superman?
2: Yes, and it would okay. be like playing yes. the... It would be like playing the N64 version of the original Tony Hawk, which is which is the one that got me hooked, because it just loops the first verse over and over again. I
1: think wasn't it? Was it one or two that <laughs> had a awesome. demo that that all you could? I think it was. I don't know. One of them had a yeah, demo. that was where it was. Warehouse it was, was Warehouse with Superman, and it and I was okay with that. All right, there's more news. Let's talk <laughs> about it.
0: Well, actually, uh, that's the majority of the news we're going to cover. We have one more article, but I actually think it'll be good to tie the article back and then go into our discussion later on. Um, But before that, let's switch our gears from games to movies. We are going to start adding just a little bit of movie talk um, to our podcast because we are all movie lovers here. Um, David loves movies. I love movies. Um, Most people in the group love movies. Jeff now loves movies. So we got Jeff here loving movies. A couple things. We are going to have a quick discussion. So Tenet just released in theaters. Okay, Mulan just released at home for a $30 premium fee. Okay. I have seen Mulan. I have not seen Tenet yet. Okay. I have seen Mulan. What are you guys' thoughts of this whole idea of let's – release a movie at home rather than theater obviously we're in a pandemic right now but what are your thoughts when we look at that 30 price tag versus going to the theater and seeing a movie there um it's it's kind of a big debate going on right now in the the whole movie atmosphere in the movie world you know i love going to the movies i go to the movies probably pre-pandemic i'd say three to four times a month um, I had AMC's A-List, which is a great value when we're talking about theaters. I pay $20 a month. I can see uh, three movies per week at AMC in IMAX, in you know Dolby Cinema, whatever. It doesn't matter. Premium doesn't matter. So I can see three, six, nine, 12 movies a month for 20 bucks, And really all I use it for is four movies a month but that still gets my money's worth because one movie is $18. So I'm technically, you know, doing that in two movies. What are you guys' thoughts on this and the idea of $30, especially when you have kids and it costs a lot more for you guys to go to the theaters. How is it watching one at home and paying the 30 bucks, David?
1: So I haven't paid the 30 bucks for this. Uh, I did pay the $20 for uh, Onward and uh, I felt like that was a good trade-off for me. Uh, far cheaper than going to the theater. Uh, There was a part of me that kind of felt like uh, I didn't like it because it was a vote with my dollars against movie theaters. And I like movie theaters as an experience. Um, And I'm still on the fence about Mulan and the $30, uh, especially when you consider that uh, really what you're paying for, for me having Disney plus already, uh, I'm paying for my impatience to not want to wait for the movie, or I'm just donating extra money to Disney because I love them as a company, uh, at which point, you know, maybe I should look into investing instead of buying Mulan. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and again, I think that question of am I voting with my dollars against movie theaters? Um, and I think there's a tough toss up there. On the one hand, I think we're in a pandemic, so maybe you're questioning, should you go to a movie theater or not? Because there's a question of, you know, if we pack 100 people into a small space, that's not safe. Uh, But at the same time, you know, if we continue down this road and we don't ever reopen movie theaters, then we're kind of sentencing them to death, which for some movies, you know, some latest Adam Sandler movie, uh, you know, although actually Adam Sandler, (laughs) Uncut Gems, Netflix was fairly good, Um, but not something that I needed to see in a theater. Right. So, I mean, like there are movies that are okay to see at home, but something like Tenet. I mean, if I'm watching a Christopher Nolan film. I probably want to find the time to go to a theater that's hopefully not crowded and spend the money and go see that because that's a cinema experience. Dunkirk, phenomenal. Um, You know, I can't imagine somebody not seeing um, Interstellar in theaters and only watching it like on a on a cell phone screen or something. That just sounds tragic. Um, Jeff, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, I'm kind of. Of two minds, because I used to go to the movie theater a lot. Um, it was one of the my favorite things to do with my wife um, on our dates and stuff. Uh, we we went to all the the Marvel movies, and so far we've still gone to all the Marvel movies in the theater. Um, we'll see how that turns out with uh, Black Widow. Uh, but right now, you know, I'm dealing with. Uh, I might be healthy, but I've got several people in my my family that are. Immune compromised. And at this point, there's no way I'm going to, as much as I want to see Tenant, because I do love Christopher Nolan movies, as much as I want to see a great rock 'em sock 'em action blockbuster movie, you know, full Dolby sound on an IMAX screen, the way evidently Christopher Nolan intends it to be, I'm not going to. Just based on the pandemic and the risk. Now, we, uh, when Trolls World Tour came out, that was perfect. You know, they, I think they realized that the amount of people going out to the theaters when the pandemic first hit was dwindling down. And they decided to take a chance and throw it to VOD. And, you know, for, I think it was 25, 30 bucks, whatever it was, to buy it, that was great because, you know, Taking me, my wife, and my oldest son, and then finding a babysitter for our daughter, that was going to be, you know, 60, 70 bucks for an hour and a half movie where we can, you know, buy it for less than half that price, have Mike's my- microwave popcorn, and then watch it here at home. Um, so I think it de- kind of depends on the movie. I don't think Tenant probably would do as well as they'd want if it went VOD. Um, but stuff like the new Bill and Ted, which I'm I'm probably going to end up buying before it becomes, you know, five dollars or whatever to, to rent it. You know, there's some some good ones like that that it you know VOD's perfect for.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny again. You're just good at these transitions again, Jeff, because the next topic was going to be our good old friends, Bill and Ted. Um, we had decided to, to discuss this, um, but I have seen Bill and Ted as well. And I will say it, it, it checked all the boxes for me for a Bill and Ted sequel. Um, I was a little worried, um, but when I saw the reviews come in, that it was getting in the sevens, which for that type of movie to get a seven is a big deal. Um, those movies are not you know review friendly um so everybody go see bill and ted uh mulan is okay definitely does not have the spark or special um part of uh uh what it what it was as the cartoon um so yeah and then the final thing that we'll stop and we will end our news segment on is the trailer for the new batman movie um It released, I I recommend everyone go uh, look it up, watch it. It is really good. Um, That trailer was recorded with only 25% of the movie has been shot and filmed. On top of that, this week, the filming for the Batman had to shut down because of COVID again, as Robert Pattinson is COVID positive um and so they're on quarantine on set so that's going to hold that movie up i don't know if it's going to hit its release date of fall of 2021 or not i have a feeling it'll get pushed to 2022 um but uh if you guys seen the trailer let me know your thoughts um david i know you've seen it because we watched it together uh what were your thoughts on the batman trailer and are you excited for the new matt reeves film
1: i thought it was uh i mean it looked good i definitely think it's back to christopher nolan uh, it is going to be insanely difficult for anybody to top those movies. Um, you know, I think anything can be better than Batman v. Superman and, uh, you know, the Justice League, Batman. I, it, yeah, I, I, that Batman just didn't didn't work for me. Um, the moral dilemmas and there just weren't any. Um, you know, I do think back to the question, right, Of of can we get a a mystery Batman that is more than just brute force, you know, knuckles. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting take. Um, I saw an article this week, somebody was talking about, you know, is Batman just a uh, a vigilante justice, you know, essentially a vote for police brutality because, you know, sometimes Batman just gets what he wants because he's able to go in and do the things that police can't. Um, so hopefully they're able to add more depth to that uh, with this character. but i'm I'm excited to see where they take it. I'm excited to see how it goes. Uh, and you know I'll always give it a chance, especially any any new reboot of a franchise. but uh, that's I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic for where they're taking this Batman.
2: As a comic book uh, fan, um, I'm personally really excited about it it seems like they're starting to edge a little bit more towards the, uh, the greatest detective, you know, as, as Batman's one of his nicknames is Um, it, it looks like the movie maybe edges into almost a long Halloween storyline or a hush storyline, which there's some great mystery and some great detective work that Batman does in those. And being able to see that side in a live action movie you know because the batman animated series was always great at showcasing that i mean you know raz al ghul in the in the original animated series was always about calling him detective um, and so finally seeing that in a live action movie has me really excited
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what their goal is going to be for this um, that I've heard. Um, and those are some of the, the 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 comics that I think he's taken some uh, liberties from. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm right there with you, Jeff. I'm excited to see maybe a different take and maybe more of the detective side of things, especially when they, you know, in the trailer, they have him come in, you know, and do kind of the investigation uh, alongside the police, because it's always been known that Batman's greatest uh, achievement and, and his superpower is his mind. And that's right, it's his mind. And so, um, you know, we haven't really seen that I don't think in a movie yet. Um, it's mostly been fear based that you see in the movies. Um, and I think to to be able to use his mind would be awesome. Um, But that's going to cover it for the news. Um, Let's take a quick break and then we will cut and we will go uh, and come back with our second segment of the podcast. So we will see you guys in just a moment.
1: All right, and we are back with uh, our second section of the podcast, uh, and we're gonna take this. Uh, I know there's probably more content here than we can possibly discuss, um, so I just wanna I want to really start the conversation. Uh, hopefully, a conversation that we can continue over at our Facebook group. If you're interested in having this conversation, uh, join us at facebook.com/slash x sorry facebook.com/slash groups/slash xfumc. That stands for Crossfire Faith and Gaming, uh, Crossfire UMC. And you can join us on Twitch, uh, which you can see if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Check out the Twitch.tv/slash Crossfire Podcast. Um, But I want to start a little bit of a conversation about uh, what we do, especially those of us who are parents uh, to help figure out what is appropriate for our kids. Uh, So we talked about a little bit ago with Tony Hawk pro skater uh, and Jeff, I know this is a question that you brought up in our crossfire faith Mm -hmm. and gaming uh, Facebook group. Um, So Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're at with your, uh, how you pick content for your kids uh, and, and where you might be looking for some growing edges.
2: Um, right now, I, just a, a quick overview. My, my son, uh, turned 11 in July. My daughter's three. So I can play some stuff with my daughter, you know, some basic platformers and stuff. Uh, my son has really started to get into stuff. Um, he got into, he's still into Minecraft. Um, Which is not something I can quite wrap my head around. Like I kind of I get it because he's really into Legos, but that's not something that I've been able to get into. Um, He's kind of been interested in Fortnite. The use of weapons and that you're shooting at other humans has been an issue that we've discussed in our household as far as what's appropriate. Now, there's been a couple of times where um, I've been gaming late night. He wakes up in the middle of the night, comes downstairs and happens to catch me playing you know, Far Cry or Assassin's Creed or something like that. And he says, hey, that looks cool. And I want to say, yeah, it really is. But it, you probably should wait a little while to be able to play this. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit that there's some of those things that I can't share with him. You know, Um I'm of the generation that you know I I played Mortal Kombat in the arcade at the swimming pool you know when I was his age but the level of of gore and stuff nowadays is so much more that it's hard to find that line between you know there's some T rated games that it totally let him play and some that I I'm kind of worried about that I don't think I'd want him to play.
1: Yeah. I think it's um, for me, it's been an interesting discovery uh, of trying to navigate. uh, What am I okay with? And what am I not okay with? Uh, And part of it is that the struggle is that, you know, we're trying to take uh, an age and put it on uh, a video game as if, as if there's kind of a one size fits all. Uh, and assuming that everybody has the same problems with every type of content uh, and I think the other problem you run into with some of the ESRB ratings uh, and you know we kind of joked about this in our other recording of the podcast I don't remember if that section made it or not um, but you know that T in game ratings, is like a a $2 symbol for restaurants. You know, you don't know if you're getting like a, a, you know, burrito place that sells a $10 burrito, or if you're getting like a steakhouse that sells a $35 steak. Um, There's a huge range in that middle space. And so for T for teen, I mean, you've got everything from, I mean, heck, now PUBG is rated T for teen because they took out a couple of the violent things. And so PUBG, where it's very realistic, the ballistics are realistic, Um, and you're shooting at other humans that's rated T, uh, the uncharted games are rated T, even though you're shooting down, you know, you're mowing down hundreds of enemy combatants. Uh, and then one of the things that I thought was the most funny is like, I've got a hunting game and it's literally just like a hunting simulation game. And I think the two biggest things, number one, I think there's some language, um, which is, you know, not terrible in that it's how it's used. Um, And number two, there is blood that when you shoot at the deer, there is a tiny blood pattern that appears on the ground from where the deer got shot. And so, you know, simply the the existence of this blood uh, becomes a really weird like oh, suddenly it's M, you know, because there's blood. Um, And I think trying to fit a game into that, it's like, well, yeah, there's you know, when I cook a steak, there's blood in the steak. Yeah. so trying to say that this game is rated M just because the deer bleeds, like that—that that seems a little bit more. I don't know. Like we're not being, especially to say that that is M, and yet uh, Uncharted is T for teen. Uh, it seems like there's a disconnect there. I think Russ's internet died. Uh, so it did. We're not sure what happened there, but Russ is back with us. Welcome back. Um, but we were talking a little bit about gaming and kids and game ratings. And how T for teen is kind of tough. uh, I was starting to recommend Common Sense Media as a place that everybody should check out. uh, CommonSenseMedia.org. I really like their game ratings for a couple of reasons. Number one, they break it into little kids 5 to 7, big kids 8 to 9, tweens 10 to 12, and then on up, you know, older teens. Uh, The other thing is when you look at their game ratings. So, like, if I pull up the game rating here for Madden NFL 21 we have ratings on a number of different scales. So Common Sense Media says Madden NFL 21 is good for eight and up. They rate it three stars. They also have a little guide for parents that says it's an A plus in educational value. It gets three out of five little dots for positive messages, three out of five dots for positive role models, one dot, uh, which is like next to nothing for language, uh, two dots for violence and scariness, four dots for ease of play and three dots for consumerism. Um, So this was helpful for me when I was looking at like apex legends, uh, a game that's technically rated T for teen, but uh, also I think rated extremely high for consumerism. Uh, The other thing that's in uh, that's in the game ratings on common sense media is it's got common sense. Media says that apex legends is age 14 and up. It's got a parents say based on 44 reviews parents say age 10 and up kids say based on 119 reviews from kids kids say 11 and up so that's an interesting one kids actually think 11 and up parents say 10 and up uh common sense says 14 and up and this is a game that falls in that t could be anywhere from 13 to 17 um so i would say check out common sense media and the other thing is know your kids um You know, for us, we have a lot of conversations about, you know, what does this mean? What is this? Is this realistic? Is it not realistic? Uh, Is it graphic? I mean, you know, I sat down with my son a while ago and said, let's watch some of these game trailers, thinking the game trailers were going to be kind of like movie trailers. uh, Didn't realize (laughs) that they are not uh, edited for content at all. So we watched the game trailer for Bioshock thinking like, oh, this is kind of cool. You can see the different Mm. world. And there's like a drill that grows through somebody's face. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I've just like induced trauma to my (laughs) child. Uh, And so that was one of those moments, you know, again, how severe is what's happening in the game? And is it going to be traumatic from a graphic standpoint? Is it going to be difficult for a content standpoint? Uh, Or I would say more often than not. Are, is it just something that you as a parent need to be aware of so that you can sit down and have the conversation with your kid to say, hey, I know you just came to this section of the game where they're talking about this thing. Let's talk about that. How did that make you feel? Uh, what are some things you're thinking about? Um, you know, you're playing Wolfenstein. Let's talk about Nazis. Um, those kind of things. So, and I loved, Jeff, one of the things that your wife was saying uh, in the last time when we chatted with her, she was talking about your love of xbox game pass so that you can actually play through the games before your kid plays through them so tell us a little bit about that
2: well that's you know with everything nowadays uh you know netflix and hulu and amazon the streaming and stuff there's you know just a smorgasbord and that's kind of what game pass does it's nice that i can go in and see all these games i can pick out a bunch um and especially on xbox where I have it set so that my son has his own pin group. You know, I I see I might see something, play you know an hour of it. Say, hey, this is something that I think he would like, and then add it to his pin group. Let him know about it. He doesn't necessarily have to go through all the stuff um, and find something, but there's definitely some you know recommendations I can make. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Very cool. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our conversation today. Um, So Russ, I'm going to let you go ahead and close us out. And uh, that's going to be it for me. Yeah. So again,
0: we thank uh, Jeff for joining us today and uh, being a part of the podcast. Um, We thank all you guys out there for listening, watching, um, coming and visiting us. All those things are very important and they help support what we're doing and the community that we are building. So make sure you guys follow us at all of our social medias. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. um, We've got Twitter account. Uh, Twitter handle is Church for Gamers. Um, Right below, you're going to see our Twitch account. That's the big one right now. Um, We stream one to two times a week come hang out with us there. Uh, We give away a lot of games on stream. So if you're listening to this and want to win some free games, come hang out with us um, on Wednesday nights when we stream on Twitch. Um, And other than that, our podcast, which hopefully we will get better with uh, every other week on Mondays, releasing the podcast. So make sure you follow us on Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, wherever you want to listen to us or on YouTube. But other than that, that'll do it for us this week on the Crossfire Podcast. We will see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for Jeff being here. And so long to my co-host, David. Everybody have a good day. God bless.